0: you're listening to bits and pieces on sunrise robot i'm one of your hosts michael edwards and joining us today uh is a guest host kevin larkin say hello hello Uh, Matt is off as he uh, tries to battle his own hardware woes and he's kind of been busy lately. So he's taken this episode off and I'm, I'm glad to welcome another guest onto the show. Uh, Kevin, you're, you're a friend of mine, uh, from Denver, which I just left. But, uh, one of the things I got to do before I left was attend a chimney choir show. Kevin's a member of chimney choir. And I kind of thought that would be a great first topic is, uh, this seems like, I mean, I haven't been to a lot of your shows. I saw your, your wonderbound production and then, uh, this rooftop show and uh it seemed like a, a maybe an unconventional set for you guys you didn't have carl on the drums and you kind of had some uh some different arrangements going on so i, I wanted to kind of pick your brain about what what you had going on there it seemed like you were kind of running a lot of the the synthesizer and uh, midi kind of driven stuff so what what kind of setup did you have going on for that show yeah we
1: um well the the group Um, Chimney Choir originally started as a three-piece, so uh, it's kind of an extension of that. So I would play mandolin and harmonica and sit on a suitcase kick drum and, you know, accompany... Or a tambourine on the other foot and that kind of thing. And then um, my bandmate, David Reinhardt plays piano. And then Chris Tricky, she plays violin and sings. We all kind of do a lot of singing. But anyways, uh, as the band has... Uh, evolved over time we've we've added a bass player and a drummer and so the sound keeps on expanding and we ditched the suitcase about i don't know three years ago in favor of ableton which uh, <laughs> which uh, i don't know it's uh, way more complex and also much more satisfying in the long run <laughs> so yeah we get uh, carl our our percussionist and drummer is amazing he Uh, he can blend into any situation and he, he kind of, we he kind of had this trash can thing going for a while, you know, like a giant trash can lid with cymbals and nails and chains on it that he would hit. (laughs) And so we got used to these big sounds and, um, and then for this last project we did, uh, it was a lot more sound design. So we ended up, you know, crushing pine cones and slamming car doors and throwing all that stuff together into a... Into a snare soup, and you know, kind of sampling instruments, you know, a banjo, and putting the decay of a violin on it, and doing all that kind of stuff. So, so the live performance, as I'm sure many um, Ableton users know, it's it's just hard sometimes to feel like you're playing it all. <laughs> It's more and, like you're uh, playing a simulation and you have to manage. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> like how do you how do you make it interesting to play? And so when Carl's there, he he actually we we wrote a lot of the parts and he would go back and and just learn them, even though they were never meant to be learned for a human to play. It was just a machine <laughs> part. And so get kinda of spoiled with that. So so we do a we do occasional gigs where he's not there and so that has been a work in progress with Ableton and um And that whole setup. So basically, uh, overall, I've got all the vocal mics running into a Motu 828 um, Firewire and basically splitting the mics and just taking the wet signal for effects and things. And and then I do the same thing with Chris's violin. So she'll give the house a dry signal and then I just take her signal and use it to either loop or to mess with, you know. In that regard. So my role has changed uh, from just being mandolinist and, you know, suitcase stomper to um, (laughs) largely juggling samples and and trying to be a DJ. (laughs) Are
0: we going to get a Kevin Larkin side project out of this (laughs) experience? (laughs) Possibly so, yes. (laughs) Um, But it's,
1: it's a lot of fun and it's just a totally different way and actually we've been doing it we've been doing this for years now so it's it's not like it's brand new but it's it was
0: new to me more than new to you
1: <laughs> yeah yeah what it all is that's the funny thing about it is like with mandolin or something or i'm sure with any instrument like you've been playing for more than like 10 years you know you just feel so comfortable that you can walk in any situation and and know what to do and with the computer with ableton you know maybe it's just the ten thousand hours thing but it's it's taken like i right now i feel like i'm just just getting slightly comfortable <laughs> yeah. with with you know filtering and and you know synth patches and you know do a lot with the chains in Ableton, so like you know well the chorus comes and hit a scene and it changes it, and that you know synth yeah. sound changes, and then all that kind of stuff, so they get kind of complex, but uh trying to keep some sort of improvised spirit within that complexity without having everything
0: yeah. I'm just reminded of, like, you ever hear of the psychological theory of attachment theory for, like, how kids, like learn their boundaries and learn to like step away from their parents and then go back and like i think learning ableton is kind of like that of like you don't want to be like stuck at the home like oh i only know how to do three things and i'm scared to like move beyond that (laughs) and like you you gotta like get comfortable doing more and more and um you know any any dog kind of has that like you open it up and you're just overwhelmed with 500 panels and 7 million effects and instruments and
1: oh man yeah (laughs) You really need limits. I feel like even with like, you know, if you're a child in the world and you just wander free and you don't have any limits. Man, good luck. (laughs) But if you can't cross the railroad track, then you
0: can invent a whole world within the railroad track. Uh, so I'll have a, a picture I threw up from the rooftop show. It's actually when Elon Palmer was on stage, but I just thought it was such a cool show to be on the rooftop of the, the Contemporary Art Museum in, in Denver. Um, it's a weird space. It's like really not a lot of people could be up there, but it, it's just a nice intimate little way to, to play Denver. Yeah, it was
1: cool. They uh, And there's a bar up there, you know, and you can look down over basically Union Station. So. And what did you think? I couldn't really tell, but it, it, there wasn't too much, like, street noise. It was just kind It was of, just
0: the occasional... It was really, like, motorcycles were bad, but really the worst was little scooters. Like, somehow their their <laughs> yeah, frequency yeah. range was just piercingly yeah. bouncing up the buildings to where we were. Um, but cars didn't really matter. Um, yeah. There's a couple of rooftop watchers, I noticed. Yeah, there was, like, a penthouse street. suite across the way, and some guy was on his balcony. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Gets first-row seat freeloading i confess i've done that at red rocks a time or two (laughs) you know you can go to that hill behind the venue and listen
0: to it So we do have some other topics for the show today and uh, one of the things I, I found this week uh, actually from Matt who's not with us for this episode but he found this topic and that's uh the the soundtrack to the Netflix show Stranger Things features a lot of very nostalgic 80s synths just super rose tinted like forget everything and go back in time kind of soundtrack and uh he found this YouTube video of a, a guy basically explaining how those sounds are created with original analog synths and I don't really know much about analog synths, and this video was awesome. I don't know if you have more familiarity, but did you get a chance to to watch this and check it out? Yeah, it was cool. I love that soundtrack, and um,
1: yeah, they had the. I've I've messed around with a few of them that he had. The Juno one hundred six is a, is amazing. Yeah, a friend that's let Roland. me borrow one one time. Yeah, that's the Roland and it's it's a digital oscillators, you know, but it's uh it's something about it's so warm and juicy those the profit that he was talking about um I've never actually played with, but they uh that one looks pretty amazing too,
0: yeah, I thought this video did a really good job of explaining step by step, kind of like at the beginner level without making it too academic and too, like, tedious. He was just like, no, I know most of you are here to learn how to play this part of the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. But I'll also, like, yeah. educate you a little bit about, you know... You know, he did a good job also being like, I'm not getting into a fanboy war about, like, what the best analog synth is. <laughs> like, I like right. all of these. <laughs> he did
1: do the theme on a bunch of different ones. He, I feel like it's the, you know, like, what Oh Brother were Out Thou did for, um for bluegrass and old time music like stranger things is i mean the 80s have been on the rise let's not kid ourselves but the (laughs) just the want you know those instruments are are classics now yeah it's like the banjo of the 80s
0: i think just everyone who was born or grew up in the 80s is now in their 30s and are influencers in every single walk of life and so that's why it's like everyone wants to hear this stuff again that's a good point (laughs) yeah we've we all grew up with it and so now it's all right back where it started <laughs> yeah. uh, so I mean would you ever see Chimney Choir adding analog? since uh, you're going to have an 80s album you guys are going to suddenly No start way again <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've always like anytime it comes time to like invest in something you're like well I could pay $700 and get this you know Juno or I could get a really cheap plug-in <laughs> possibly even just like a native you know yeah. You know, some kind of synth plugin that basically sounds, I mean, I mean, synth, pur- synth purists would probably frown upon this, but come on, sooner <laughs> than later, you won't be able to tell the difference, yeah.
0: <laughs> and then you don't have to add a new piece of hardware to your set, and like old school MIDI cables don't have to suddenly exist, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it's
1: almost like when you see people doing that, they're it's kind of like a martyr, you know. If they uh, there's this group, one of my favorite bands in Denver. I don't think it's really performing anymore. But it's the the seven hats, and it was uh, Julie Davis and Joseph Pope, and they would haul in these giant, huge old synthesizers, you know, and labor over <laughs> stacking them around. And I'm not. It sounded amazing, you know, but at the end of the day, that's that's a tough. Yeah, it's a well, tough. Well, did loading. you
0: were you at LCD Sound System at Red Rocks this year? No, I didn't get to go. Okay. Looked, I also didn't get to go, but I heard it was all analog synth and all amazing sounding as well. So I don't, yeah, I, yeah. I never know if this is the, the audiophile tricking themselves thing. They're like, well, clearly since they work so hard, it must sound better or if it's like, or <laughs> it actually does sound better, but yeah, there's no, there's no real telling,
1: but you know, when you see one and actually even, even with the, with the Juno, when you play it, you know, there's just something about, the feel of it. I don't know. Maybe it's just a real knob. I struggle with that with MIDI a little bit, yeah. you know, like wanting it to feel good, even knowing there you know, that there's only, you know, 127 steps for each. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not a,
0: maybe that's it. I don't know. We need a higher resolution on our, our higher, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I mean I guess the biggest barrier often is that some of those old synths just had really good keys. Like it just felt good to play them, right? And yeah, the springs and the the filter knobs, yeah, they just feel great. And I mean, you can find MIDI controllers that have you know the half weighted and kind of feel a little better, but it's definitely like. I mean, even in my own songwriting, I find when I go to a grand, an actual grand piano, it's far more inspiring than most, <laughs> yeah. most little dinky keyboards. Um, but then when you actually want to change the sound, suddenly you realize this grand piano is actually kind of limited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want it more of a honky
1: tonk upright at <laughs> this moment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I actually uh, last year I had a chance to go to the Moog Factory in, in Asheville. Oh, wow. Which was which was cool because he'd used a couple of Moogs in that uh, Stranger Things video, but it's really tiny. Yeah. They, uh, I feel like that world is, if you know what you're after, you can get it pretty easily and you can probably get a new one, but. Uh, you know, maybe maybe one day they'll make really cheap modular ones that you can just order. You know, five dollar parts. I just need to and, model and, these know.
0: properly in software and stop <laughs> the hardware. <laughs> <laughs> um, it seemed like not long ago, maybe maybe it was more late nineties, early two thousand. But like every like alternative rock band had to have a, a Moog in their set, and just like. I don't know, it just seemed like a, after the pop punk kind of emo stuff fade away, it's like, well, let's throw a Moog in and now it's a new yeah, genre. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess that's actually pretty far away now. <laughs> Moog Rack. <laughs> um, you had tossed this topic into our list of about sidechain compression. So tell us about this. What, what you, What's on your mind? Well, uh, just thinking of musical trends and
1: uh, how the 80s gated reverb drums just became the sound of the 80s. And and when it was happening, maybe nobody knew it. They were just like, this is the coolest sound in the world. And then it went out of fashion for, a, what, you know, solid 15, 20 years. And sidechain ducking you know with the kick on pretty much everything which i personally love like i can't get enough of it um but i feel like that may be our (laughs) gated 80s drums (laughs) like like five years from now people will you know they'll frown i can't believe that that band has such bad taste to side chain everything you know
0: (laughs) No side chaining allowed anymore. Well, then, put on your little profit hat and crystal ball. Like, what? What's the next side chain compression then? <laughs> Ooh, good question. Maybe,
1: uh, vocoder, but that's that's been done, or at least you know to an is extent. Is there a where new twist kind on of... vocoder coming though, or or something like? Yeah, the, is there any instrument that hasn't been met? So, like the voice. Um, what's you know maybe maybe like a new maybe a trumpet or something you know yeah, or like uh some sort of processed brass horn well, would I even be the thought
0: next. brass in general seemed like it kind of disappeared for a while and mm-hmm. then like oh m83 is using a saxophone in midnight city and like suddenly like like mainstream pop music is bringing brass back in the mix but i don't know yeah to, i can see a brass revival
1: that'd be nice <laughs> It's always it always feels good to get some baritone sax just growling,
0: <laughs> you know. I mean, Springsteen <laughs> never stopped it. <laughs>
1: oh god, no, it's it's a beautiful thing, a beautiful thing.
0: So, do you have any favorite song examples of sidechain compression anything you you that's on your playlist spinning all the time? You know,
1: I love uh some of the brain feeder stuff and you know, Tebes is one of my favorite a particularly static side chaining i just can't get enough of it's like (laughs) it's like a peanut butter cup blizzard at dairy queen it just never gets old (laughs) and uh but you know you just hear it in every single song out there and we use it a lot it's just really fun yeah to to give that feel but i'm wondering when uh when when that
0: you know that wallpaper will pass It seems like on some level it'll be around, like, it's it's almost like a biological level of satisfaction, like the the bacteria in our stomachs likes it as much as we do. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's inexplicable. (laughs) It's just that pumping feeling, who knows?
1: Maybe it just makes you want to dance and anything that makes you want to dance will will always be in style. So who knows? Maybe it'll stay forever. Maybe it's like... you know an acoustic guitar it'll just be it'll just be there like a like an old friend
0: yeah. <laughs> it will, what'll probably happen is it- like with a lot of decades of music is it'll get boiled down to the five or 10 hits that get to represent it. And everyone will forget all the crap that got released. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, all the rose tin and glasses of like, man, the sixties were amazing for music, man, the seventies were amazing for me. Like whatever decade you want to pick. It's like, really, there was so much bad music too. Like we're just forgetting yeah, yeah. it. <laughs> the cream will come to the top eventually. And, We'll forget about all that other stuff <laughs> so this next topic was another one you had tossed into the pot actually the rest of the main topics um so what's on your mind about algorithmic apps oh yeah well this is i've had some conversations
1: with some friends about the future of art and robots and i'm a firm believer in you know that we are evolving into robots and uh so (laughs) who who will be responsible for art in the future and with thinking about that with music apps how you know i love do do do, um uh discover weekly on spotify yes absolutely (laughs) it's amazing you know like it predicts what you want and it just takes your past experiences but you know music is so uh, discreet, you can break it down on so many levels that you could have a composing algorithm, which I'm sure is out there yeah. right now, um, but that would take, you know, like I love Sam Cook's soul vocals, but I love that big old side chain on a, <laughs> on a fuzzy synth bass and um, some very, I don't know, Nick Drake string arrangements or something, and then it would just, you know, and it knows your chord progressions you like, and it just invents it And I don't know who they would get to sing it, you know, but like maybe even the computer voice from 1993, (laughs) you know, would sing it. Or maybe they they would have some algorithm to make a voice. And anyways, it would compose like what you want and what you need and it would be the perfect thing yeah, every time. Like how far do you
0: think that is away? I mean, you know? it's, it's actively being worked on by computer scientists, I think. It's just you need enough artists to help them. <laughs> but uh, I just sent you a link to com, and you can pick major <laughs> nice. and minor, you can pick tempos, you can pick... If there's accompaniment, which instruments you want, and if it's classical or not. And so you can just listen to generated, you know, computer-generated music. And this looks like a very bare... Like, this website looks super basic, but... And I think on a past bits and pieces, we, there was an arpeggiator website that would just generate chord progressions and like you could add all these modifiers to avoid really common ones and like hear really strange chord progressions. And it, <laughs> it could just pump out a list of notes and chords to you and just be like, hey, um, and it's like, I think that's, that, that's already here The Like computer as bicycle for the mind. Like I just want it to help me see new options yep. and then I'll pick the ones I like. But as far as the completely computer generated, uh, I don't know, maybe it's a, a little ways off, but I think it's closer than we think. Yeah. yeah. Do you think it'll,
1: uh, Um, what was the computer in the famous chess match? What was the blue? Oh, deep blue. Deep blue. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great? Or maybe this could be like a movie plot or something, but like, you know, there's a jazz trumpeter and it's like a solo off between the trumpeter and a computer, yeah. but, you know, it's blind to the rest of the audience, and then, you know, <laughs> it's like John Henry, you know, I guess every music has that theme where the machine comes along and does what you do better, <laughs> but what what are we going to do? What are us musicians going to do <laughs> when it uh, just, just let it happen. <laughs> just let it happen, yeah, maybe, uh, I don't know, go back to... Uh, hammer and steel, like John Henry, like go back to the original.
0: Well, the same thing's happening for words too. I mean, there, there's computer-generated stories that are being experimented with, and, and poetry and other things like that. And I think I, there was an online—I'll try to track it down for the show notes—a uh, online test that would show you real poetry and computer-generated poetry, and you would like try to choose if you could tell which was which. And man, wow. it was impossible, man. I, I just. Like, number one, because there's some really weird poets. And number two, because <laughs> the computers are getting that good. And it's sort of the, the combination of uh, those two things makes it impossible to tell. I wonder, was it like haikus or was it like long sonnets or like? Oh, it's botpoet.com. It's a Turing test for Bot poetry. Poet. <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> yeah, so maybe maybe it will all converge at once where, like where art will just be taken over by the computers but maybe that'll be good for us because we can just be like holy shit this is awesome you know <laughs> and like everything that comes out is just mind-blowing and
0: <laughs> you know <laughs> well, I think- you read a book it's great you go any anything on the radio it's great it's just, everything's just perfect well and you i mean you almost get into sci-fi philosophy territory of like is this gonna turn into either 1984 or brave new world in terms of like uh We'll be so soothed by how good computers are at showing us things we like that we can be basically enslaved by those things
1: right, 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 <laughs> yeah, then we'll need a hero we'll need some, <laughs> some like class you know, to come
0: play us bad music, just so yeah, yeah. <laughs> which then in turn is good music that's great, <laughs> uh, some kind of crazy dialectic thing
1: going on. Uh. <laughs> Maybe he like invents a, a dissonance here, there, to unknown, and like the computers just can't handle it, and they all explode. And then I think Terry Gilliam I mean, needs to make over. this.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe we can pitch it to him. <laughs> I'm sure he takes suggestions from the audience. <laughs> uh, no, I mean it, it's definitely an ongoing thing. There was one other. You, re, this whole computer generated topic reminded me of there was a a programmer who had built like. His whole demo, his whole demo was, uh, he was writing code live, and like whatever you know language and uh, situation he was in, it would it would like compile immediately, like it was interpreted or something. So hmm. as he would type code, the music would change, and so he could add you know attributes to the arpeggio going on. He could add other instruments, and it was like super nerdy code, but also really interesting music going on. And that was still human driven, but it's not, I mean, the second you can program it, then you can automate it. So
1: (laughs) yeah, totally. That's cool though. On the spot, it's almost like, you know, Beethoven inventing the symphony with the orchestra on the spot or something, you know, where whatever's in the room that changes the mood, you'd just be able to communicate that instantaneously and have you know, the timpanis come crashing in or something. When
0: people usually think of jazz when you think of like improvised music or or maybe like sound artists that kind of just have a million pedals in front of them and they're playing Mm -hmm. old cassette tapes and looping and flanging them like crazy. But how many more kinds of improvised music that are just too hard to do right now would be so, so much easier once we get the right tools in the computer space? Right, right. I guess you also think of Ableton electronic music for improvis- improvisation these days. But there was a. Have you listened to Holly Herndon before? No, she's great.
1: I think a San Francisco-based musician. But uh, I read somewhere that in a show, it sounded really interesting that she somehow or a visual artist she worked with took people's public Facebook pages that were at the show and mix them into the video, like the projections, and people didn't know it, so they would, (laughs) you know, they're kind of freaked out when they see themselves, on, you know, on the screen. But she called it, I think, remixing the internet or something. So, you know, you're improvising with images of people in the room, which is... Gosh, I I can remember They
0: Might Be Giants would just take, like, the newspaper from the city they were in and would create songs on stage, (laughs) just improvising. Oh, that's great. (laughs) i think they'd also like have radio going on i don't know those guys are crazy as well yeah yeah oh man this is the kind of topic i feel like we could just come back to over and over as new developments happen totally yeah it's a continuous processing uh so this other topic about streaming music services and subscribing to artists so Tell me what you were thinking about. This. You're bringing all the content this episode.
1: <laughs> well, well, this one was was your route because we had talked about the Frank Ocean, which I guess did you and Matt talk about at some point? Uh, me and my On my brother previous... guest
0: hosted last episode, and we were we were talking uh, okay. about this article that was like it's changing cinema, and we were like, eh. <laughs> 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 yeah, so but we had lack of input because we
1: were like well let's talk about frank ocean's new visual album but then neither of us subscribe to apple music (laughs)
0: so
1: like you only speculate you know and and watch a trailer and then make
0: conclusions
1: (laughs) but that that was the root of the topic which is more um like a an artist is to a streaming service as a as a um you know netflix series is to netflix or an amazon series is to amazon so you know if we wanted to talk about stranger things but we were too cheap to go subscribe <laughs> to uh netflix we couldn't do it and we would have to speculate and so it just feels like the you know if back in the day if you go to a cd store um you can get anything really i mean maybe not underground things yeah. or more obscure things or even Things from the distant past, which now you can freely get out of the internet, but you could get any, you know, major voice and creativity. And now it just seems like the medium, you know, now that it's all digital, and it's just streaming that the medium itself is the service that streams it. And so like, you'll subscribe to, you know, title and you get all this stuff for netflix so so the thought with behind that as well what if these companies start funding musicians yeah especially with the video album thing coming and so your label is your medium you know
0: it definitely could happen it it'd weirdly kind of be like the old days when you know actual artists and What's the? I forget the term for it, but the labels really invested in artists, even like before they were successful, and they'd let them get through several albums, you know, even if they hadn't taken off yet. That doesn't happen nowadays. All the risk is kind of on you, even if a label picks you up, and uh, you're, you're paying them back for everything immediately. Um, but I I don't know, like, because is our our movies and TV shows like uh, musical albums in this sense? Because like. I I mean I I'm trying to put words together on this like what's the difference like do, do musicians have enough cultural maybe maybe someone like Frank Ocean does or you know Beyonce's lemonade it was another visual album recently um like do they have enough cultural power that them being signed to One Service works cuz I don't know if they do. If musicians do have that anymore, and people are just like, "Man, there's enough rock music. I'll go listen over on this other one. And I'll find another band." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's tough to say, yeah, because I mean, even well, when Kanye
1: just put his on title, you know, it eventually <laughs> went to the other ones, and title's not doing as well no. as the other ones. <laughs> um, but maybe. Yeah, but I like that thought of, you know, what if it is like nurturing the career of someone that's, you know, we're going to release a couple of albums on this streaming platform, you know. Yeah. And then and then they get funded to do that, but it's tough to say too because, you know, with even with those things, you know, right now it's streaming. What what will be the next way we experience it, you know? Cuz I I do like the idea of if each label, you know, like a record label was a streaming service. So it's like a record label would, would press the record, and that's, and it, it would deliver it to a store, and you got it. But if the streaming service is providing the medium for streaming, then it's cool. But it's just so inconvenient to, yeah. like, you know,
0: subscribe. want to, like, but pay up like f- and pay capital and pay, like, yeah. everyone separately and log in separately to listen to their artists? right. <laughs> So
1: I don't know, who knows, maybe it'll boil down to two things like everything else. You know, you got Coke and Pepsi, <laughs> Democrats and
0: Republicans, <laughs> Netflix and Amazon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And, I mean, I've been we've been talking about the Apple Music and Spotify kind of war for a while. And like, I really don't want it to be a Silicon Valley company owning all of music. Like, I really want there to be diversity in this space. And partly because I don't want to have to feel like I got to buy multiple subscriptions to hear all the music I want to hear. Um, totally. Like I like it to be split up so much that artists feel like, oh, I better release on all of them. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: what if you had to pick right now? Like, I don't know. You, I mean, it would be a tough call. <laughs> you could be on iTunes or Spotify. But then, you know, you make like 10 cents on each one of those, so it doesn't really matter. So you just <laughs> yeah. sign you up for both. <laughs> it's meager rations either way. Yeah. But, you know, think about how much, uh, did you were you ever a member of BMG or Columbia House? No. They, uh, they did that great thing where you felt like you're getting a deal of a lifetime where it's you <laughs> sign up a friend and you get 10 CDs for the price of one. And so I had a friend that just kept on signing himself up under different names, <laughs> and they eventually caught on to him. But I think he got, like, 200 albums for the price of five, you know. <laughs> but we used to pay, you know, 17 bucks for a CD it was standard.
0: And how many would you buy, you know, a year. Yeah, if, probably. Yeah, if you if you kept your grocery store food service job in high school, you could buy one or two a month if you were avid. Yeah, yep, but so you know, 12 to 20 a year if you're just a serious music listener. Right, <laughs> which is what like
1: a couple hundred bucks maybe. Yeah. <laughs> which is pretty comparable to like one streaming service. <laughs> But yeah, who knows what the value of music really is if (laughs) if they jacked all their prices up to like forty dollars a month and we were like, oh man,
0: I think people YouTube's not doing it. People would just torrent again. They would just go right back to well, guess I'm going to steal it. (laughs) Yeah, totally. That's interesting. Streaming piracy. I mean, that's got to be as a musician, one of the more depressing things is like people just don't want to pay for it anymore and. Like I mean, they'll they'll pay for it in ads or inconvenience in other ways, but the 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 straight up like selling CDs for fifteen bucks is kind of over. Yeah, it's too bad. I miss like uh, I miss the like the Jamaican spirit.
1: The the harder they fall, you know, like when he's going around, you just like walk up to anybody and go up to the DJs and be like,
0: "Play my record, man! Play my record, (laughs) man!"
1: (laughs) (laughs) Need some more of that. Need some more of that back.
0: I do like this thought of. I mean, that is. One of the coolest things Netflix has been doing is all their original content. And I mean, I think they felt the heat of Hollywood saying, oh, you guys are successful. We're going to crank up our prices for real Hollywood movies. And Netflix was like, ha ha, we've already got enough subscribers. We're just going to make our own shows and people won't care if they don't have your crappy movies. And I mean, it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, I still watch real, quote unquote, real movies on Netflix sometimes, but it's really it's really about the tv series or the the netflix original series like every year you get a house of cards now you get you know narcos or whatever whatever else they're putting out let alone stranger yeah. things and it's like and there's new ones every week it's crazy yeah and so they're kind of like who cares about hollywood like they they helped us get where we are you know slinging discs at people in the mail and now maybe we don't need them Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, like what would be the parallel of that with music? I don't think there is one because music's always been so, like the formats have never been like TV networks or movie theaters. Like Mm -hmm. it's always been, I mean, the limitations have only been physical, but not like in any other sense. It's like, yeah, you you need a CD player to play CDs, but it's not like it has to be a Sony CD player. It could be any of them.
1: Yeah, was there? Oh, yeah, because. Yeah, it seems that only one thing actually becomes you know like beta and VHS yeah. or something like
0: people might try, but there will be one dominator. You know, yeah. huh. we'll just have to see. I mean, it'd be cool to see. I'd be happy for the artists if Apple or Spotify was directly funding them and um, like it, it helped them create interesting art. But I'd also be sad to see a future where one of them dominated so hard that you have no choice but to subscribe with them yeah yeah or if you're a musician you just can't get your music out there unless you
1: like bow to them yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah because right now the the entrance fee is pretty low if you, you just go to distro Kid or one of these million other services and you know throw 10 or 20 dollars at them and your music's available on all these services and right. Right, that's cool but I mean, I feel like the gatekeepers would kind of start making it worse if they knew they had a monopoly. Yeah, maybe it'll go back
1: to just straight vaudeville days, where you know the entertainment is so good in person that this other thing doesn't really do the trick. <laughs> Streaming the album won't do it justice.
0: I I also just wonder, like, the, there's so many different ways people listen to music or care about music at different levels, because I, I do think there's a big population of I don't know, just throw some like country on in the background, not to pick on like one genre, but it's like it really doesn't matter who it is or what they're listening to. They just want a certain like palatable pop kind of level thing happening. And you know, an exclusive wouldn't sway them. They'd be like, oh, that costs more? Nope. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But then there's. You know, there's people more like us that are like, I want to discover new music all the time. I'm really interested in a wide variety of genres that aren't necessarily all in the mainstream and uh, whoever's doing the most interesting stuff. And so I'll be the one that gets gouged because I'll I'll have an insatiable hunger to keep listening to new stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's good though I think Mike cuz that means you know <laughs> <laughs> to be fair the there's today's deal is so amazing as a listener like you just get to hear yeah. as much as you want of almost anything so I really shouldn't be complaining <laughs> Yeah I would argue that as a creator too because you can listen with ease
1: and like I mean we're sitting here talking on microphones you know across hundreds of miles but you know for cheap mic and an interface you can kind of do what you want with music you know yeah and even the plugins you don't need to go get a stranger things you know two thousand dollar <laughs> profit <laughs> just
0: the profit plugin yeah get a free copy of reaper for your linux laptop yeah 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 <sighs> No, that's a great thing to keep in mind whenever I get whiny about some of this stuff is this is one of the best eras for being a listener and a creator because right. the barriers are so low. The hardest thing is finding an audience in such a loud and busy marketplace. But yeah, yeah.
1: There's just more people shouting and humming and hawing.
0: <laughs> well, that's great. Uh, shall we get to our picks of the week? Let's do it. Um I think I'll go first. I'll save the the guest one for a second. Um, My pick of the week is a song called Coin Operated Boy by Dresden Dolls and uh, this was uh, I'd heard of them before but I wasn't very familiar with their music and uh, this song was shared with me by a friend I, I went on a little trip up north to North Ohio to go to Cedar Point uh, the other week which is the best theme park in America probably. the greatest <laughs> and uh, we were just uh, on the way home instead of like we talked all the way there hung out all day and on the way home we just kind of felt like just being a DJ in the car and just sharing music back and forth the whole time and uh, uh, my friend Adam shared the song with me, and he was just talking about it. And it just, it just was a really interesting song. So let's just hear a little bit of Coin Operated Boy, and then we'll talk about it. Wrap my arms around him and pretend. Coin Operated Boy, all the other real ones that i destroy Cannot hold a candle to my new boy and... Alone and I'll never let him go, and I'll never be alone. Go, and I'll never be alone go and I'll never be alone go and I'll never be alone go and I'll never be alone. Not with my coin.
1: operated boy. This was
0: yeah, so I just left a little hint of the bridge there at the end, but uh uh this song was uh, a nice little bit of musical theater. It's very in a good way contrived it's very mechanical and um which is true to its subject matter of a kind of a machine automaton kind of pinocchio kind of situation and uh right when it gets into that bridge it kind of gets injected full of life and like the song is very uh it's very much in fantasy land for the for this uh, speaker and uh, i just thought it was really well done in that musical theater sense of kind of being a whole concept of a song uh, what did you make of this song? Uh, well, right now, just thinking how after we had this whole podcast, how
1: perfect it is for the topic, <laughs> just lyrically, because she is. When will machines love better than than humans? <laughs> yeah. And she seems pretty uh, ecstatic about it. Um, <laughs> but I, I do like, I really do like how she sings about singing the bridge. You know. Yeah I'm reading the lyrics right now um but she says this bridge was written to make you feel smitten <laughs> so <laughs> kind of breaking the machine for a second before she jumps back in Yeah but yeah I really liked it it was uh yeah well put like a kind of a vaudeville theatrical operatic i don't know
0: yeah and i mean one of my favorite elements was how they they start messing with the length of the measures and start kind of interjecting they have Mm -hmm. that broken record kind of moment in the middle and uh it's just so well done i don't know i enjoyed it a lot yeah i think that's my introduction to dresden dolls so thank you
1: (laughs) you're welcome uh what was your pick of the week uh, my pick of the week was Dr. John's "Walk on Gilded Splinters" from his album um, "Greegree," which I think was in the late '60s. Yeah, should we give it a spin, or should we?
0: Yeah, let's give it a spin. I roll out my coffin, and in my challenge. Pride begins to fade, and y'all feel my malice. Put "Greegree" on your doorstep. So Gutter, melt your heart like butter. I can make you stutter. Think about it, come on. on. will kill the spinner. con, kill the kill it, con,
1: Yeah, so that was Walk on Gilded Splinters by Doctor John. And I just I just fell into this album so hard in the last <laughs> few months. It's all just like that. That's really uh kind of really laid back Afro Cuban y grooves and and these big kind of janky choirs that do these very repetitive lines and Doctor John just conjures some voodoo over the top <laughs> yeah. of it. And uh I just love it.
0: Yeah, as I, I was checking out this song, which it's like nearly eight minutes long, um, and I mean, you heard a very representative sample of what that eight minutes is like. But it kind of just lulls you into that trance. It, it is very much like a, a voodoo, like a pagan ritual of some kind. Uh, as as it, uh, those those drums just keep you know bouncing around in your head as he keeps whispering things that you're now supposed to do. Or <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's the he's the the man. I think the whole album. I'm pretty sure it was a concept where he had written this character and was aiming to get someone else to to represent it or perform it, and then no one else really did, and so he just went into the studio and became, that's when he became Dr. John, (laughs) uh, the night tripper was for this album, and he kind of made up this personality. But it's funny because I showed it to a friend, and Dr. John is actually known for his Uh, new orleans boogie woogie piano he studied under the greats and he's just you know right up out of the new orleans dirt uh, this guy came from and and there's i don't think there's one piano line on the whole (laughs) whole album (laughs) It's like you gotta hear this guy he's like a great new orleans pianist you know and (laughs) and it's just you know just more of that dark voodoo (laughs) conjuring (laughs) great stuff i think my my favorite line is I'm reading it right now. Put gree gree on your doorstep.
0: Soon you'll be in the gutter. Melt your heart like butter, ah, and I can make you stutter. <laughs> like that's like the most <laughs> profound stinger at the end is I'm going to make you stutter. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's great. Well, as always, we'll have links to these Picks of the Week uh, in our show notes and also in our Bits and Pieces Spotify playlist. Yes, we've chosen Spotify as our home uh, for this show. Sorry, if you're on Apple Music, you'll just have to get <laughs> one of those apps that ports playlists over. Um, uh thank you for listening to episode sixty-three of Bits and Pieces. Thank you, Kevin, for filling in as a guest host. This was great. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Michael. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh as always, you can find our show notes at sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash sixty-three. And while you're there, you might as well subscribe to our show. Uh, and get new episodes automatically uh delivered to your phone, or I guess some people might listen to podcasts on a computer uh using iTunes or something like that um uh me Kevin, are you on Twitter by chance? You know not really yeah i, I don 't really follow Instagram more okay, if people wanna throw questions or comments to you, is there a a good place for that? Yeah, they can find me at um let 's see.
1: Uh, Pine Ross, P-I-N-E-R-O-S-S, and that's Facebook.
0: Okay. And Instagram. So, you know... Bring them on. That works, and uh, I'm on Twitter at pseudo michael s u d o michael or uh, you know a million other networks. I'm sure you can you can look me up, and uh, we love comments. If you got songs, if Doctor John got in your head, and you need some help, uh, definitely get in touch with us. And we'll probably not be able to do anything for you. Um, <laughs> as always, <laughs> a huge thanks to our Patreon sponsors. Depending on the level you support, Sunrise Robot, you get your name shouted out at the end of episodes. So. If huge thanks to Benji Robinson, Carolyn Kraut, and Joan Edwards. Uh, Love you all so much. And thank you so much. We'll see you next time.